Christian Mistakes About Life After Death. This is the final script in a series of six podcasts from Exploring Spiritual Questions on what is in store for us if we survive death. So far, I have explored accounts of death survival, inner character, the concept of selfishness, and reasons for permanence of unhappiness in those who are very selfish. I now provide a summary of the six podcasts concerning the fate of selfish people, and I also suggest some Christian mistakes about life after death. The first point I was trying to make is that the human mind survives bodily death because subjective consciousness is not part of objective physical reality. This is one reason why we can believe we survive death. Another reason is because every mind has the ability to form itself in a way that transcends the natural effects of nature and nurture. And I've argued this is possible because human beings have an inner freedom of moral choice that makes us responsible for who we become. I next looked at what life after death is like. Emanuel Swedenborg, who had visions of the afterlife, describes a non-physical realm of after-death consciousness. The environment after death is a projection of inner thoughts and feelings. And so according to this view, time and space obey psychological rather than physical rules. And the individual wakes up in a spirit body with sensations and movement. I described how the character of one's mind determines the quality of one's environment in the life after death. I've also talked about how individual character does not change at death. Our individual mind reflects the character we have become before we die. It is formed from the pattern of intentions we choose during bodily life, and it can be seen in the light of truth but unacknowledged in the darkness of self-justification. I've gone on to say that those with unselfish character are separated from those of selfish character. During life after death, those with basic good intentions do undergo experiences which remove their mistaken ways of thinking, so they welcome the opportunity to live in light. But those who are basically self-centred prefer to live in dark. And so the light of rational understanding is removed from them. In the afterlife, one associates with those with similar character to oneself, who are like-minded. This is one reason why happiness is limited for the selfish orientated. When one craves for what one wants for oneself, 
there can only be restlessness and frustration because the people around us are wanting the same thing. And when we are all like this, there is rivalry and no sense of shared community. Yet selfish people are only happy when they are trying to get their own way. And a deeper kind of happiness arises, however, from focusing our minds on the needs of others and serving some useful function. If the light of truth were to shine on the life selfish people have chosen for themselves, they would thus suffer distress and want to hide away. And I've given reasons, therefore, why those of selfish character stay in their selfish state. They continue in the delusions of self-justification. And even when the light of truth sometimes shines, which shows up their selfishness for what it is, it reflects their ugly, distorted features. Even then, they don't want to honestly face themselves for what they are. Universal compassion wants to lead such people away from their selfish, unhappy life, but not if it means taking away their freedom to choose how they wish to live. In conclusion, if we do live after death, then we should live differently in the here and now. By improving our lives on earth, we can improve our life circumstances after death. Craving for worldly things closes the door to what is spiritual. Not indulging in worldly and bodily pleasures makes more room for deeper experience. The afterlife of the spirit is not just accessible after death, it is also a real dimension here and now, which we can become more aware of through meditation and reflection. Finally, then, if all this is true, what Christian mistakes are being made about the subject of life after death? Firstly, I would say, Christians make the mistake in believing that at some point following death, one's existing physical body will be resurrected. Although in the past the church has widely taught this, no geographer or astronomer has ever located a heavenly paradise or a hellish inferno. I would say it is one of the Christian mistakes to suppose that the afterlife is a physical place where one will live in a physical body resurrected from this life on earth. As I've described, we wake up in a non-physical spirit body. This spirit body can see, can hear and smell as well as think and feel. The spirit world thus follows psychological rather than physical rules. A second mistake then. It is not true that hell is an eternal punishment for a life lived badly. This was the old idea in Europe, that if I've been a bad person, I will rot in hell. These days, however, the picture of such a place of, of never-ending torture is very much in doubt. Despite this doubt, Christians still see life after death as a reward for good people and an everlasting punishment for bad people. And I would like to say that that is not strictly true. Admittedly, 
that teaching does have the advantage of showing how important it is, how we choose to live our lives on earth. But I believe it is mistakenly implying a process of judgment by a higher divine power, process of judgment by a deity who is thought to condemn certain people to eternal damnation. I don't see how any god of love could adopt such an attitude, handing out rewards and punishments in this way. The alternative view I have presented is more associated with the idea of self-determination. I'm saying the quality of life to be experienced will not be a reward for good conduct. It will not be a punishment for bad conduct during life. Each person's state of afterlife will simply be a continuation of the kind of life led before death. It is we who cut ourselves off from the sphere of loving kindness when we adopt self-centred ways. Error three. It is an error to assume that hell is for those who lack religious belief. The, the account of an afterlife I have given challenges this old Christian idea that getting into heaven is simply a matter of believing in God and making confession when the time comes, that one is saved from hell by doing such things. No, we are we're saved from the unhappiness of selfishness by choosing to lead a selfless life. We should use spiritual guidance to do this, though. Fourth error. Christians make the mistake to think that an all-powerful God of love will rescue those who have paid the price for their sins. I would say a God of love would indeed wish everyone to be at peace, to have contentment and joy no matter who they are, but this can only result from generosity of spirit on the part of us. It can only come from consideration for others' needs. It can only come from other virtues of an unselfish person. This surely is the divine hope for all of us. But in giving us freedom to live as we will, God permits us to sabotage the divine plan. Tragically, many people do so. Hence, one of the statements about hell by the Roman Catholic Church, which I actually agree with. Hell is a state of definitive self-exclusion from communion with God and the blessed. Swinburne claims that God's compassion will do what it can. The power of love continually tries to lead people, if they will, away from the joylessness of selfishness into the heavenly joy of kindness and compassion. But if they were to cling to their selfishness, then all that can be done is try to lead them from a more grievous to a milder hellish state. I would say... It is a kindness by a loving God to allow those who are unwilling to give up their selfishness and all the related bad desires to escape from the light of justice. For if they were continually exposed to the light of truth, it would bring about continual turmoil, continual discomfort. 
The Lord protects those who are not ready to change. If they did, then they may return to their old ways and be worse. As Isaiah puts it, otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Actually, Swedenborg says in the afterlife, people are as happy as is possible, given how they want to live. Sadly, selfish people are only happy when they are trying to get their own way. The other podcasts in this series were Do We Survive Death? An Afterlife? What is it like? Individual character after death? Selfish character, a valid idea? Selfishness and unhappiness, but why? And this final podcast, Christian Mistakes About Life After Death.